morning everyone welcome to the inspired by the word times of devotion right now we're going to be praying praying for the next 15 pray for the next few minutes all right to read us the scripture first timothy 2 from verse 1 I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Hallelujah. Right now we're going to be praying and praying in the line of um of how pastor asked us to pray using the scripture on Sunday. So I'll just read a part for us. We're gonna be praying that the time of the Antichrist is not yet come. The time is not, the time is not yet, therefore they will proceed no further in the agenda, with immunization, uh, with the vaccination and all that, their time is not yet. So therefore, the Antichrist is not permitted to run the nations in this time. They are not permitted to control the nations. They are not permitted to control the governments of the nations of this time. Therefore, they will not, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, they will not, and they cannot proceed any further. We demand that they stop their operations, their maneuvers, and the gov their maneuvers over the governments of the nations in Jesus' name. Let's begin to pray in other tongues. Thank 
Thank <laughs> you. 
Yes, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we refuse, oh God, at this time for the Antichrist to proceed any further. Yes, Katola Yes, we refuse, hallelujah. For the Antichrist to operate at this time, oh God. Yes, 
Yes, hallelujah. We grind the activities to a halt by the power of the Holy Ghost. We grind the activities to a halt, oh God. They are deception over the nation. We, we, we do not permit it. We do not permit it. Therefore, hallelujah. Every step that they have taken, hallelujah. Yes, is abolished at this time, oh God. Yes, is rendered worthless and useless in the name of the Lord Jesus, hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Christ reigns and Christ reigns at this time. Christ reigns and Christ reigns at this time. Permanently, in the name of the Lord Jesus, only the will, plans and purposes of the Lord God is in operation at this time. Maseli bonde pisa matakelaha. Vesuteki la grande sasakita paradabashatakabaya. Thank you, precious Father. Thank you, dear Lord Jesus. For in Jesus' matchless name, we pray. Amen. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Inspired by the Word Global Times of Devotion with the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much, esteemed um, Amarak, for this opportunity to always lead prayers. I'm super grateful. Hallelujah. Um, over to you right now, Ma, for the wraps of the segments. Thank you. Lord. Thank you so much, Pastor Deborah. Hello, everybody. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. And um, welcome to another time of devotion with God. The times that we spend here are precious to God, and a lot is happening in our spirits. Praise the Lord. Today's Wednesday, the 7th of April. And the title of today's devotion is When His Words Are at Home in You. When His Words Are at Home in You. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. John 15, 7, English Standard Version. The worst translation helps us see that Jesus Jesus' remark in John 15, 7 is more of an instruction than a promise we not. He's commanding you to ask whatever your heart desires. It says, if you maintain a living communion with me and my words are at home in you, I command you to ask at once something for yourself, whatever your heart desires, and it will become yours. Can you trust his word? Yes, you can. Faith is about acting on the integrity of God's word. In these challenging times, you can rely on the word of God. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you want and it shall be done for you. The complete Jewish Bible puts it this way. If you remain united with me and my words with you, 
then ask whatever you want and it will happen for you. All this required is for you to abide in him and for his words to be resident in you. Are the words of Christ at home in you or do you set them aside? When his words are at home in you, it's blessings all the way, victories only, success unlimited. Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. When the word is in you and abides, your faith is built strong. Then you are positioned to make a demand and create the kind of life you want, irrespective of circumstances. Praise God. Today, um, we are reminded that um, the place of the word of God in us cannot be overemphasized. And, you know, while I read it, I was, the, the a thing that came to my mind was the project in message a day. You know, aside the time that we spend here, because during this time of devotion, just like now, we're going through the Rhapsody. That's the word of God being, you know, ingrained into us. Then we go through the further study. Then we study the scriptures together following the one-year Bible reading plan. And we're putting the word inside of us. Then we have the project and message of the way we get to listen, to hear. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as we hear, our faith is built strong. And in that atmosphere of faith, anything is possible. No wonder I said that if you have faith as little as a mustard seed, he said, you will sit the mountain, be moved. Say, move from here, be cast into the sea. And he said, the mountain will hear you. A mountain can be a situation of any kind. But he's saying that when you speak, the situation will hear you. The building of your faith is super important. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes by the word of God. Anything that makes you hear the word would grow your faith. Because when faith is present, when faith is active, your life becomes an unending stream of the miraculous testimonies and victories every other day. So today, let the words of God find home in you. Be easily persuaded by the word, be inspired by the word. Be corrected by the word, be instructed by the word. Colossians 3.16 tells us all the different things that the word of God can do for us. He said the word is for instruction. It is for correction, it is for inspiration. When the word corrects you, do you take it? 
When the word inspires you, do you stay with it? When it instructs you, do you do it? Faith is about acting on the integrity of God's word. Choosing the word way at every time over any other way. Maybe the other way is the most popular and everybody's doing it, but it doesn't align with the word of God. In a time that we are in, a lot is happening in our world. And if you if you if you if you follow the tides of the of the social media, you see that the most celebrated things are evil, are wrong. And if you're not careful, you will go with the world, doing those things that are most celebrated, yet unbiblical, yet against the scriptures. Choose the way of the word, irrespective of the situation, irrespective of people, of how people will see you or feel about you. If you know that it is the word, of which the times that we spend here every day studying, reading the Bible, analyzing, explaining, instructing, inspiring, all the different co-hosts have different sessions where they speak to us. We have people from time to time who contribute. We hear the testimonies. Knowledge has increased. So we cannot, we can no longer claim not to know. We can no longer claim ignorance. The Bible says that to him that knoweth what to do and doeth it, doeth it not, to him it is sin. Sin is relative when it comes to God. A lot of times it's not the way we judge matters. When the Bible says, be ye perfect as your own father is perfect. Perfection is measured based on the knowledge that you have, based on what is required of you at every stage of your life. That which you know to do that is right. My brother, my sister, don't compromise. For instance, we find that in recent times, we, we've, we've been dealing with certain cases and then you, you, you hear where a brother tells his sister that um, he has to sleep with her before he gets married to her because he wants to know if she's good in bed. It's a societal norm for some people but you are a Christian. How are you believing such things? How are you, how are you able to say such things? I'm talking about brothers in church. And as a sister, 
a brother tells you that and you're still considering the relationship, there are many things you are going to compromise in that marriage. The foundation is already wrong. To him that knoweth what to do and do and it's do it, it's not. To him it is sin. See, if you have to stay off social media, stay off social media. There's a lot of corruption of souls. The, the, the present social media is designed to corrupt your righteous mind, to pollute it and to get you to act accordingly. You need to know that. So if you're going to be on social media, own it, control it. Go there. Watch who you follow. You see the follow button? I, I, I was analyzing it the other day. There is a reason it is called follow. There is a reason. They could have said, add, you can add somebody as a friend. There is a reason all the social media adjusted it to call it follow. Because to follow is to submit. It is to submit to the leadership, to the authority and to the influence of a person, of a thing, of an event, of a trend. So when you go on social media and then you follow an unbeliever whose contents are unscriptural, who promotes the wrong deeds, you are submitting yourself to that influence. You are submitting yourself to the spirit that controls that one. Soon you are acting like him. Soon you are acting like her. Follow the word, my brother, not social media. Dear sisters, you have the people that you follow on social media you know they are not Christian women. You follow them. You want to copy how they look. You want to copy how they dress. Social media today, exposing the body is a norm. Is a norm. It's normal. And many of our sisters go there. They pick the styles. They adopt it. The recent trend, you see wedding gowns. And the sister is basically naked. Dear sister, if nobody is telling you, I am telling you, it is not scriptural. Go to the Bible and check everywhere that nakedness was attached to the body. It was demonic. One of the places that we studied in the book of Exodus was when Moses had gone up to the mountain to receive the testament. And he was there away 40 days, 40 nights. And the Bible says that the people forced Aaron to make a golden calf for them. And he said they rose up to play. If you read it in detail, and every time such incidents happened, you will realize that nakedness was one of the things that was attached to their play.
when Jesus healed the demoniac who was already under the influence of demons, he was mad, he was crazy, he was naked. Every time there was a deliverance, the first thing that happened is that the nakedness of that person was covered. Godliness covers nakedness, it doesn't expose it. And nobody's your example. Nobody's your example. Don't say, but this person did it. Nobody is your example. Jesus is your example. Let me tell you guys. See, everybody that preaches the gospel to you, everyone that teaches you the gospel is standing in the place of Jesus Christ. And if that one comes tomorrow and tells you that God is not real and tells you that the Bible is not true, remember that that one was only a vessel. Jesus Christ is your Lord. Jesus Christ is your master. And he gave us the Bible so that we can have the document of his very words, his very instructions, what he believed, what he thought of and how he saw life, and how he thought that we should live life. So that no man can misinterpret the scriptures for us. This is why we do what we do. When we read the Bible here, we are reading it, we didn't write it, so that you can hear for yourself what God said of his own self. So that you can know for yourself. So choose between the word of God or what you're seeing on social media, everything is in the Bible. Followed by Bleakow trends. And we were born to create trends. Stop trying to follow trends. And I've said it before, if the people that you follow on social media are unbelievers, how do you say you follow a musician who only sings and shoots videos of naked girls, of boys smoking, womanizing, and drugging? How do you say that that is one of the people that you follow on social media? How do you like his music? Does his music preach the gospel? Does his music glorify God? Oh, you say, oh, these church people, we don't have to be too churchy. Brother and sister, there are no middle grounds. That guy is promoting the kingdom of the devil. Whether you know it or not, there is satanism at work in the world. It's not just music as usual. Everyone stands with someone. They stand with Jesus or they stand with Satan. You may not be aware, but even in this country, in Nigeria, Virtually most of the musicians out there that are not gospel musicians, they have a shrine in their house. I'm not telling you what I do not know. They serve a God. They may not show you on social media, but these things are confirmed. So when you follow them, you made a decision. Draw the line. If you want to follow the word, follow the word said, if God be God, then serve him. He said, if Baal be God, then serve him. But let God be your God.
this God who loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. He gave his very best for you. He says, so that they who live might live unto him. Every day that you live, every time you have to make a decision, every step that you have to take, live for Jesus Christ. Live for him. I'm going to hand over to Sister Joy for the further study and the Rhapsody prayer. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Ma, for those words of admonition. Thank you, Ma, for bringing the word to us always like you do. Good morning, everyone. Good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you're connecting from. I'm going to be taking the Father's study. We're reading from Hebrews 12 to 6. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jeremiah 17, 78. Blessed is the man that trusted in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For it shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreadeth out our roots by the river and shall not see when heat cometh, but our leaves shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruits. Praise God. We're going to be taking the prayer together. Um, you don't have to unmute your mic, just repeat after me wherever you are. Thank you, precious Father, for your words to me today. The words of Christ dwell in me richly and are at home in me. I trust the word wholeheartedly and I refuse to be distracted by contrary information or circumstances. Therefore, victory, success, prosperity, and divine health are evident in my life because I've given myself wholly to the word in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much, esteemed Sister Maka, for this wonderful opportunity. Right now, I would like to hand over to Brother Z as he takes us through the New Testament reading of the One Year Bible Plan. Thank you so much, everyone, for your kind attention. Have a beautiful day ahead. Thank you so much, Sister Joy. Thank you so much, Sister Maka, for this wonderful platform. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Depends on what location you're connecting from. Welcome to the Inspired by the Word Times of Devotion. And I welcome you to the Bible reading plan. Uh, we've been reading the New Testament and we are in the book of Luke. It's been a very interesting read. Yesterday, we started with Luke chapter 11. And um, basically, we learned um, how to act with opportunity, acting consistently. Today, the caption reads, reading from verse 14 to 36. And um, the caption reads, no neutral ground. Here, read. Jesus delivered a man from a demon that had kept him speechless. The demon gone, the man started taking, talking a blue streak. 
taking the crowd by complete surprise. But some of the crowd were cynical. Black magic, they said. Some devil trick he spooled from his sleeves. Others were skeptical, waiting around for him to prove himself with a spectacular miracle. Jesus knew what they were thinking and said, any country in civil war for very long is wasted. A constantly squabbling family falls to pieces. If Satan cancels Satan, is there any Satan left? You accuse me of ganging up with the devil, the prince of demons, to cast out demons. But if you are slinging devil mud at me, calling me a devil, who kicks out devils? Doesn't the same mud stick to your own exorcist? But if it's God's finger I'm pointing that sends the demon on their way, then God's kingdom is here for sure. Verse 21. When a strong man armed to the teeth stands guard in his front yard, his property is safe and sound. But if a stronger man comes along with superior weapons, then he's beaten at his own game. The arsenal that gave him such confidence hauled off and his precious possessions plundered. This is war. There is no neutral ground. If you are not on my side, you are on the enemy. You are the enemy. If you are not helping, you are making things worse. So this is Jesus' admonition for us, just like Sister Mark has been saying. It's either you're following people, if you're following people that are Satanists, meaning you're declaring that you're on his side. And I read verse 23 again. This is war and there is no neutral ground. If you are not on my side, you are the enemy. If you are not helping, you are making things worse. When a corrupting spirit is expelled from someone, it drifts along through the desert looking for an OS, oasis. Some unsuspecting soul, it can be devil. When it doesn't find anyone, it says, I'll go back to my old haunt. On return, it finds the person swept and dusted, but vacant. It then runs out and rounds up seven other spirits, dirtier than itself, and they all move in, hooping it up. That person ends up far worse than if he had ever gotten cleaned up in the first place. While he was saying these things, some woman lifted her voice above the mom of the crowd. Bless the womb that carried you and the breast at which you nursed. Jesus commented, even more blessed are those who hear God's word and guard it with their lives. Most importantly, hearing God's word and guarding your heart with all diligence. The caption, keep your eyes open. As the crowd swelled, he took his fast track. The mood of this age is all wrong. Everybody's looking for proof, but you are looking for the wrong kind. All you're looking for is something to titillate your curiosity, satisfy your lust for miracles. But the only proof you're going to get is Jonah's proof given to the Nevites, which looks like no proof at all. What Jonah was to Nineveh, the son of man is to this age. On judgment day, the Nevites will stand up and give evidence that will condemn this generation because when Jonah preached to them, they changed their lives. A far greater preacher than Jonah is here. 
and you squabble about proofs. On judgment day, the queen of Sheba will come forward and bring evidence that condemns this generation because she traveled from a far corner of the earth to listen to wise Solomon. Wisdom far greater than Solomon's right in front of you and you, squib and you quibble over evidence. No one lights a lamp, then hides it in a drawer. It's put on a lampstand so those entering the room have light to see where they are going. Your eye is a lamp lighting up your whole body. If you live wide-eyed in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. If you live squintedly eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a dank cellar. Keep your eyes open, your lamp burning, so you don't get musty and murky. Keep your life as well lighted as your best lighted room. And may the Lord bless this reading in our hearts in Jesus' name. And in quick summary, it's saying that we should light up our lives with the God's word. God's word is where we should put focus. And just like verse 23 says, this is war. There is no neutral ground. If you are not on my side, you are the enemies. If you're not helping, you're making things worse. So in this year of preparation, we fill our lives with God's word and we go forth and light our walls and bring many others to this light. Thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity. And I'll hand over to Brother John, who will take us through the Old Testament Bible reading plan. God bless you all. Have a beautiful day. Bye-bye. Good morning. Thank you very much, Brother Tuzier. Warm greetings, everyone. Now um, we are moving over to the Old Testament segment of this uh, Bible reading. This is war. And if you are not on my side, you are the enemy. Wow. Okay, now we are moving to Judges 3. Now I read, these are the nations that God left there, using them to test the Israelites who had no experience in the Canaanite wars. He did it to train the descendants of Israel, the ones who had no battle experience in the art of war. He left the five Philistine tyrants, all the Canaanites, the Sidonians, and the Hevites, living on Mount Lebanon, from Mount Baal, Hermon, to Hamad's Pass. They were there to test Israel and see whether they would obey God's commands that were given to their parents through Moses. But the people of Israel made themselves at home among the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hevites and Jebusites. They married their daughters and gave their own daughters to their sons in marriage, and they worshipped their gods. Caption, Othniel. From verse 7, the people of Israel did evil in God's sight. They forgot their God and worshipped the Baal gods and Asherah goddesses. God's hot anger blazed against Israel. He sold them off to Kushan, to Kushan Rishathaim, king of Aram Naharaim. The people of Israel were in servitude to Kushan Rishathaim for eight years. The people of Israel cried out to God, and God raised up a savior who rescued them, Caleb's nephew, Othniel, son of his younger brother, Kenaz. The Spirit of God came on him, and he rallied Israel. He went out to war, and God gave him Kushan.
shall return king of Aram, Aram Naharain. Othniel made short work of him. The land was quiet for 40 years. Then Othniel, son of Kenaz, died. We can see, I just want to say this quickly. We can see that every time God saved Israel, and the next minute, they disobey and they go after these other gods. But in that their place, whenever they cry out to God, God always comes through. He always comes through for them. He never says, you have done this again and you have done it again. I'm throwing you out. I'm not answering you. He always, always and always comes through for them. Irrespective. We will, even as we read further, we will still see that they will go back to these other gods. And whenever they cry out to God, he will still answer them. That's how amazing our God is. He's so full of love and kindness. Praise God. The caption, Ehud. But the people of Israel went back to doing evil in God's sight. <laughs> so God made Eglon, king of Moab, a power against Israel because they did evil in God's sight. He recruited the Ammonites and Amalekites and went out and struck Israel. They took the city of Palms. The people of Israel were in servitude to Eglon for 10 years. The people of Israel cried out to God, and God raised up for them a savior, Ehud, son of Gerard, a Benjaminite. He was left-handed. The people of Israel sent tribute to him, to Eglon, king of Moab. Ehud made himself a short two-edged sword and strapped it on his right thigh under his clothes. He presented a tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Eglon was grossly fat. After Ehud finished presenting the tribute, he went a little way with the men who had carried it. When he got as far as the stone images near Gilgal, he went back and said, I have a private message for you, O king. The king told his servants, leave. They all left. Ehud approached him. The king was now quite alone in his cool rooftop room and said, I have a word of God for you. Eglon stood up from his throne. He reached with his left hand and took his sword from his right thigh and plunged it into the king's big belly. Not only did the blade, not only the blade, but the hilt went in. The fat closed in over it so he, he couldn't pull it out. He would slipped out by the way of the porch and shut and locked the doors of the rooftop room behind him, then he was gone. When the servants came, they saw with surprise that the doors of the rooftop room were locked. They said, he's probably relieving himself in the restroom. They waited, and then they worried. No one was coming out of those locked doors. Finally, they got a key and unlocked them. There was their master falling on the floor, dead. While they were standing around wondering what to do, Ehud was long gone. He got past the stone images and escaped to Sarah. When they got there, sounded the trumpets on Mount Ephraim. The people of Israel came down from the hills and joined him. He took his place at their head. At their head. He said, follow me, for God has given your enemies. Yes, Moab to you. They went down after him, secured the fords of the Jordan against the Moabites. They let no one, they let no one cross over at that time. They struck down about 10 companies of Moabites. All of them were well fed and robust. Not one escaped. That day Moab was subdued under the hand of Israel. 
the land was quiet for 80 years. Shamga, Shamga's son of Anna, came after Eod. Using a cattle prod, he killed 600 Philistines, single-handed. He too saved Israel. Praise the Lord. Now hand over to esteemed Sister Maka to take us through Judges 4. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Brother Jane, and thank you to Brother Dose for the Bible reading. Um, so now we're going to Joshua chapter 4. Deborah, mm, somebody will like this. <laughs> the people of Israel kept right on doing evil in God's sight. With Ehud dead, God sold them off to Jabin, king of Canaan, who ruled from Hazor. Sisera, who lived in Harusheth, Hagoyim, was the commander of his army. The people of Israel cried out to God because he had cruelly oppressed them with his 900 iron chariots for 20 years. Deborah was a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth. She was judge over Israel at that time. She held court under Deborah's palm between Ramah and Bethel in the hills of Ephraim. The people of Israel went to her in matters of justice. She sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kedesh in Naphtali and said to him, it has become clear that God, the God of Israel, commands you. Go to Mount Tabor and prepare for battle. Take 10 companies of soldiers, from, of soldiers from Naphtali and Zebulun. I'll take care of getting Caesarea, the leader of Jabin's army, to the, to the Kishon River with all his chariots and troops, and I'll make sure you win the battle. Barak said, if you go with me, I'll go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. She said, of course, I will go with you, but understand that. With an attitude like that, there will be no glory in it for you. God will use a woman's hand to take care of Caesarea. Deborah got ready and went with Barak to Kedesh. Barak called Zebulon and Naphtali together at Kedesh. Ten companies of men followed him, and Deborah was with him. It happens that Haber the Kenite had parted company with the other Kenites, the descendants of Hobab, Moses' in-law. He was now living at Zananim Oak near Kedesh. They told Caesarea that Barak, son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor. Caesarea immediately called up all his chariots to, Kish, to the Kishon River, 900 iron chariots, along with all his troops who were with him at Harashet Hagoim. Deborah said to Barak, charge. This very day, God has given you victory over Caesarea. Isn't God marching before you? Barak charged down the slopes of Mount Tabor, his 10 companies following him. Verse 15, God routed Caesarea, all those chariots, all those troops before Barak. Caesarea jumped out of his chariots and ran. Barak chased the chariots and troops all the way to Harishet Hagoim. Caesarea's entire fighting force was killed. Not one man left. Not one man left. The race is not to the swift, neither the battle to the strong. Not one man left. 
Meanwhile, Caesarea, running for his life, headed for the tent of Jael, wife of Haber the Canaanite, the Kenite. Jabin, king of Hazo, and Heber the Kenite was on good terms with one another. Jael stepped out to meet Caesarea and said, Come in, sir, stay here with me, don't be afraid. So he went with her into her tent. She covered him with a blanket. He said to her, Please, a little water, I'm thirsty. She opened a bottle of milk, gave him a drink, and then covered him up again. He then said, Stand at the tent flap. If anyone comes by and asks you, Is there anyone here? Tell him, No, not a soul. Then, while he was fast asleep from exhaustion, Jal, wife of Herbert, took a tent peg and hammer, tiptoed toward him and drove the tent peg through his temple and all the way into the ground, he convulsed and died. Barak arrived in pursuit of Caesarea. Jael went out to greet him. She said, come, I'll show you the man you are looking for. He went with her and there he was. Caesarea stretched out dead with a tent peg through his temple. On that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan before the people of Israel. The people of Israel pressed harder and harder on King Jabin of Canaan until there was nothing left of him. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God is just super amazing. And we see again and again how he continues to help his children, even when they have gone wrong. They do wrong and then, you know, calamity befalls them. And then they wake up tomorrow. They say, God, we're sorry. Please help us. Then God raises help. If this is for the people of the Old Testament who had no right of salvation, who had no right of forgiveness, who had no right of remission, how much more us, the ones for whom Christ died for? See, there is a trick that the devil uses in this day and time where because you have done wrong, you feel like God is so upset with you. You don't want to fellowship again. You don't want to pray again. You don't want to go for cell meeting. You don't want to go to church. You don't want to sing in the choir because every time that you raise your hand, the devil reminds you of the terrible things that you have done. My brother, my sister, there is no time that you will call on God, that he will not be there. I'm glad that you can see it by yourself. This book of judges that we have entered, you can see that just chapter three already mentioned how many judges. And you see quite a lot of them in this book of judges. Every time that a judge rose and led the children of Israel to repentance, they always won even if they had been in servitude to their enemy for 20 years, when they rose and they called upon God, he gave them the victory. There is no time that you will call on God that he will not answer you. He loves you that much and he's waiting for you to talk to him. So don't stay in your errors. The reason you feel bad already is because it is not in your nature to do wrong. The guy who is a sinner is a sinner. He does sin, it's his nature. He doesn't feel anything. You did wrong and you feel bad because it's not in your nature and it's because you genuinely love God. So let that love stay with you and enjoy your life in Christ. Don't let the guilt take you away from fellowship. Praise God. Oh, it's been a beautiful one today and I am personally inspired. I'm going to hand over to Brother Martins at this moment for the Pauline affirmation and the communion. Thank you so much. God bless you, everybody.
Thank you so much, esteemed Sister Maka. Good morning, everybody. Good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you're connected from at this time. We'll be taking our formation this morning, our Poland affirmation. And the way we normally take our formation, we'll start with our name. Please, I'll ask um, Brother Dozy or Brother John, please kindly share the affirmation on the screen. Thank you so much. It's on the screen now, the affirmation is on the screen. Okay, we'll start with our name. My name is your name. You say your name. I have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. The second paragraph, I, your name, I'm, a, I'm granted according to the riches of the glory of Christ. The third paragraph, your name first, my love abounds more and more in all judgments. You know, in knowledge and in all judgments. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. At the count of three, I'll kindly ask everyone to unmute their mic right now. At the count of three, we take our formation. One, two, three. My name is Martin Scucci, spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. Christ Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay, we're going into our communion segment at this time. Now taking our same scripture, our scripture from First Corinthians chapter eleven, verse twenty-three. And Paul writing to the Corinthian Christians said, I receive of the Lord that which I also, also I deliver unto you. Lord Jesus, the same night in which, in which he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take it, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the body of Christ that was broken for us. 
he was bruised for us. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon him. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for the power of the body of Christ. We declare in the name of the Lord Jesus, this day, as we break this bread, we will never be broken in life. Thank you, Lord God, for this we do in remembrance of you, of that which you did for us on the cross. Thank you, Lord. We give you all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Praise the Lord. After the same manner, also he took the cup when he has sobbed, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. These two years, oft as you drink it, remembrance with me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. Lord, by dying, you destroyed our deaths. By rising, you restored our life. Thank you for when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we show for the presence of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are the light of the world. We are a city set upon a hill. We cannot be hid. Everywhere we go, it's favor and favor and favor. It is grace upon grace. We will never be denied any opportunity. But yea, as opportunity beckons, our names are the first to be called. Father, we thank you for this precious blood of Jesus Christ that was spilled, that was shared for all of mankind. As we take this cup this morning, thank you, Father, for our victories are consummated. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we give you all the praise. Hallelujah. Go ahead and take the cup right now. Go ahead and take it. Oh, shot. So, problem Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'd like to say a very big thank you to the esteemed Amarak for this great opportunity. Thank you so much. Right now, ask everyone to kindly unmute their mics as we take the benediction, as we share our benediction. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord of all. And the Christ in the Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, everyone. Hallelujah.